Hello again, and welcome to the Customers Who Click podcast. I've got a little offer for my listeners today. If you send over a web page to will at monkeyblocks.com, I'll send back a video review of how I think the page can be improved. This can be a landing page, product page, category page, checkout, whatever. Send over a page, I'll review it and give you suggestions on how it can be improved for conversion. Back to the episode though. Today, I've got Masood Akbazai uh, talking to us about algorithms, data and AI. He runs a paid media consultancy who really focuses on AI and using algorithms to improve performance. Let's get him on now. Hi, Masood. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. Um, if you could tell us a bit about yourself, a bit of your background and, and what you're doing at the moment. Hi, well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, I'm a digital marketing specialist with background in chemical engineering and mathematical modeling. I'm in a paid, paid media algorithm specialist. And we are a digital marketing consultancy and agency where we do uh, media buying for, for businesses, predominantly for e-commerce, uh, and producing the content uh, carefully engineered for, uh, for the algorithms to trigger uh, a response from the spectators. Cool. So sounds interesting. So what does a, like a standard day look like for you? So a standard day will be uh, getting on um, calls uh, for introductory discovery calls with clients, giving them feedback and giving them some value as well. Uh, that's, that's part of the day. And then the other part is, you know, we do a lot of data intelligence, digital intelligence, competitive analysis, risk analysis, pitfalls and counter-competitive intelligence for clients. So I oversee all of that um, for, for, for the projects of our clients. Um, and liaising with our team. So we have got uh, uh, top 1% talent from around the world. So we're a completely remote agency and a consultancy. And then we have tech partners uh, where we use um, AI and machine learning tools that helps us with optimizing the paid campaigns for the clients. And that's what the day-to-day looks like. I personally, I'm, I'm thrilled and infatuated by data and how data changes by psychographic segmentation and the behavior from those that are consuming it, uh, predominantly on the paid advertising um, vertical of uh, media buying. Okay, wow. So very, very data heavy, a, l- a lot of maths. That is probably way beyond me. Um, let's, uh, let's kind of dive into the algorithms a bit. You mentioned kind of using algorithms for media buying and things. Um, just, just kind of expand on that a little bit more and, and maybe kind of talk about why businesses should be looking at uh, this sort of approach to media buying? So, so an algorithm is predominantly designed for um, actions and reactions. So um, actions are your CTAs and, and, con- and conformity and compliance with those CTAs and you've got instructions for your potential prospects uh, to take an action on your advertising. And the reactions are really the like, comment, shares, watch time, saving posts, sharing with other people, et cetera, et cetera. So the algorithm takes all that into account to make some internal decisions uh, in order to take your reach uh, uh, wider across to your, um, to, your, to your actual audience that it resonates with. So, so there aren't so really hacks around algorithms um, as, we can, as we can see you know, from in, within the industry you know, when people come up with some kind of a solution or some viral achievement and they think it's a one-size-fits-all solution and then when someone else try to copy that and it doesn't work for them the reason to that is you know because it is not just some kind of hack or a, or, or a mathematical formula for making everything work it's a combination of a lot of things you know it's just a combination of you know 
what is it you're offering? Is it price right? You know, does it resonate with the uh, with the audience that you think they will buy, et cetera, et cetera. So if you look at an example of um, paid um, ad, you know, so you'll set up um, uh, an ad campaign um, and let's say you've um, you've you have uh, you've converged it to interest and demographics, et cetera, et cetera, and then you've come up with you know there's about one million people in that pool. Now, uh, let's assume there is a circular pool of those one million people, and um, the ad algorithm shows you know that you can potentially reach all of this and put the money in. You know, um, now there is a catch to that. It actually never shows it to all of those people. If if it did, it will cause um, data clutter and uh, nah, sorry, advertising clutter and uh, information fatigue. So it will actually create another circular bubble within that pool, that large circle of pool, and um, that is your ad, and you have priced it at whatever cost that is, you know, per day, per month, per week. It will the algorithm will now move that bubble different corners of this circle of a million people and try to work out does this resonate with this audience or not if it is not resonating that's when when you call something you know that my ads are not converting redo them create more creatives etc etc and then so it may not necessarily be a problem with the way you're running your marketing or your ad or your media buying competency you know it could could be anything it could be with your offering um, a lot of, with, with, with the price, you know, the quality. Uh, I think content plays um, an important role as well, especially in conveying the message uh, via your copy and the actual uh, imagery or video. Uh, in my opinion, you know, if, if there are any hacks, you know, I think there are two hacks around it. Um, if you're a large ad spend media buyer, then the algorithm will break some of its internal protocols because at the end of the day, a platform is a business just like yourself as well. And in business, there's there's one denominator for all of us. You know, everybody's in money making business. So, but the platform uh, promotes and helps uh, campaigns that can make them more dollars. So, if you're a large spend uh, media buyer and you begin with um, uh, big numbers, the like I said, the algorithms will break some protocols and it will actually push forward and uh, try to capture more and more and use its uh, internal machine and learning as well to, um, to give you a better conversion. Uh, and I think another hack around that is you know, if you've got a great offer and uh, it resonates with people faster, uh, the algorithm will again break some internal protocols and open ports and try to uh, uh, get you more traffic and an audience for conversion because it understands that this is something that works and we will allow you to uh, make money through it so you can spend more. Um, so I, I really don't think there are some kind of um, uh, hacks around algorithms or, or you can actually fully decipher them. So, so we do a lot of deciphering work. You know, so I, I have personally spent more than 12,000 hours of you know, deciphering um, algorithms in my, from my past background is you know, mathematical modeling where we, we used to develop mathematical models for other projects, but uh, <clears throat> that was an intertransferable skill that I brought back to the internet world and my internet media buying you know, experiences just over about uh, just over 16 years. Uh, so, so I have um, I've merged intertransferable skills, empirical methods, mathematical models, then along with the synergies of all experts out there where, where, that I network with and we work on R&D. 
So, so there is there is no uh, there is no straight answer for an algorithm. It's, it's in essence, you know, it's a it's a it's a, it's a machine uh, that makes decisions internally against a, a very large data. Um, but now, like I said, you know, you can make it work. You make it, you can use it to your advantage if you have a great offer and a great way of um, uh, of, of putting that offer forward for, with your content. Yeah, there's no hack because it's you know I mean what they've got what like fifth especially for Facebook they've got fifth what fifteen years behind the algorithm maybe a bit mm-hmm. less on the ad side I think um, so they've they've got the experience and knowledge and it works by saying you know if this audience uh, completes the goal that you've you've requested of it which would normally be a conversion mm-hmm. then yeah we're happy to keep showing your advert and ex- I guess expand on that audience as well. And reach mm-hmm. more of that million people, mm-hmm. but if you're not getting the conversions, we, we're going to prioritize someone who will. Absolutely. So say, well, they will uh, demote you. you know? So it's a, it's a, it's a, Think of it of a virtual real, uh, real virtual um, um, real estate, a virtual asset. It's a placement. So everybody's bidding against. And um, if if someone else is bidding against it in your niche, you know, the algorithm will rather favor them. Uh, because it's, it's producing more conversion, you know. There's only so much room in, in, in those 24 hours. We're already cluttered by so much information. Uh, and the algorithms are a lot more smarter than we think of them. They actually know more about us than us because we do not measure or track our micro-behavior with the algorithm. They do. So they're capturing all of our micro-behavior, you know, every day, day-to-day, you know, how we scroll things, zoom into pictures, you know, watch time, and... Um, proceeding to pages, to cards, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, so the algorithm really knows who's into what. And if if your offer does not resonate with the with the like or like match, it will demote it very fast. Yeah, they, you know, Facebook has all the data, doesn't it? And uh, mm-hmm. you know, it knows when when you tell it, I want to target this demographic of people who are interested in these sort of products. It then obviously looks at its data and says, well, these are the people who fit that criteria. Mm-hmm. If your ad doesn't perform, it means either your offer's wrong or you might have your targeting wrong and mm-hmm. you know, you're doing it wrong. So th- there's no point, no point you spending your money because we can get it from somewhere else. And then, yeah, Absolutely. I guess, like you said, if someone comes along and says, here's a few million a month or a week, the algorithm's just going to say, well, yeah, okay. Yeah, as, if, as, as long as you get the numbers you're happy with, mm-hmm. we're happy for you to spend your money here. Yeah, if that's the case, you know, you can stick a picture of an um of, of a bin and promote a product with that, which is irrelevant. If you've got that kind of a money behind it, then it's not only a question of uh, you know that they will prefer it and and, and help you to achieve the result. It's actually the internal mechanism of that algorithm is then loaded with the capacity of, you know, learning faster as well because it's opening all those spots, collecting a lot of data and information on your behalf because you're paying for it. So they don't mind um, producing that kind of a clutter everywhere. And then we know, you know, if, if you're reaching to millions and millions of people, actually, not what they tell you at the front of your ad manager, you know, that you can potentially lose. Like I've just said earlier, you know, that, that's, that's one of the catches, you know, that a lot of us don't um, understand it from time to time is because it it will never show you to those many people, you know. It actually, 
it, it starts, it begins with showing to smaller segments of that population in that village that you've just created. So I guess, you know, there are ways around, you know, spending a lot of money or, um, or you then, uh, you then help the algorithm, which is where then your media buying competency and expertise comes in, you know, along with, if you, if you then have access to, you know, AI systems, you know, or um, optimization that can do a lot of uh, decision making on your behalf on scale. So we can do hundreds of creatives and, and test different kinds of interests, you know, and then you actually help the algorithm, you know, then no, I think, you know, maybe such and such criteria. And you, you can appreciate, you know, the combinations and permutations of that and go astronomical. Um, um, but, but if you've got systems and, and I think that's what that's what's going to be the future of media buying as well, you know, and programmatic buying uh, is where you use um, human expertise along uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning systems to to optimize and find where does it actually resonate with people. So the best way to do that is, I think, you know, that you test each interest separately. If you've got a lot of interests in one creative and it somehow works for you, uh, you will never know which which of those interests actually work for you. Uh, and that's where uh, systems, uh, automation systems comes handy because they can do that segmentation on your behalf at scale as well. Yeah, yeah, no, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, I've seen AI for kind of copywriting um, do really well, but yeah, it's there's definitely, um, I wouldn't say it replaces Mm-hmm. The, the the copywriting it's it's more of a support tool but it comes up with so many variations of yeah. of the copy that is that it thinks will be relevant that you know it, it just doesn't make sense for someone to sit there and try and write these uh you know subject lines or whatever themselves because they'll always have their own biases and, and their ways of doing things so yeah if you can get you know i think that's kind of where um AI is going to be really, really helpful over the next few years in just really speeding up people's abilities to produce new content and creative and copy um, and, and testing opportunities, but still kind of overseen and guided by the, the people who, who really know their stuff. Yeah, and, and it certainly becomes very powerful when that machine learning system can actually learn from things that are already working, and those could be thousands and thousands of data points you can appreciate well. Uh, and that is manually not possible. Uh, so, so systems like those can really help and narrow that firm uh, advertising clutter and information fatigue for for your brand, for yourself, and for the spectators. And then platforms like that as well, you know, and they will promote you and push you forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's what other kind of common myths and misconceptions are there? around things like algorithms and, and data? Uh, I, I think there could be a number of misconceptions, you know. So, um, I mean, one of the biggest misconceptions is, you know, that somebody achieves a great result and they think they've cracked some kind of a code for um, making everything work, on, especially on social and paid advertising. Uh, so uh, that, that, is, that is one of the greatest misconceptions. Uh, but do, do you think... Um, they could have cracked it for themselves, couldn't they? So, you know, they might, they might have found a particular technique that really works for their business and their audience. Yeah, absolutely. So, so even if you, if you, even if you came up with some kind of a code or, or a way of that, that making things work for your own business, 
it may not necessarily mean that someone else with an even like-for-like business, they can achieve the same results. So it can have a number of reasons to it, you know. So algorithm works backward. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a forward uh, command. So it you put something forward and the algorithm waits for the behavior and the reactions and actions that we've just talked about earlier uh, of the consumers and it learns from there. Now, you, you, you cannot base it solely on, you know, on your backend uh, expertise and competency of, of how you're uh, running your media buying or your marketing or, or organic reach you know, on platforms. Um, it has got to do a lot with your branding, with your offer, and, and more importantly, you know, what others are saying about that product. And that makes it very powerful. And, and that's where, you know, I think influencer marketing plays uh, a vital role. So if, and, and I'm talking about, you know, genuine influence among people with genuine influence and then their audience like their review, you know, I'm talking about blogging, you know, uh, and they believe in that. And then the brand grows organically from, from one side and then you're, your paid media buying then targets those people. And what those people will then do is, you know, they will look for some kind of social proof. So, so, so if your message resonates with people and it is relatable and it has some kind of novelty to it, then, then the algorithm is going to work for anyone. And then comes down to, you know, you, you look at, you know, how good is your, your marketing team or your marketing competency of media buying. And that includes, you know, and I think that is broken down to two things, you know, it's content marketing, you know, and copywriting. I think copy plays a very, very important role, especially short form copy. And, and, and then what else really works is, you know, is, is the retargeting really, you know, and we know from experience, you know, that to, uh, to achieve great conversions, you need between one to eight follow-ups. Uh, now, along those follow-ups, you can, you can cause some kind of, you know, um, information fatigue as well and advertising clutter you know so i think if you start with it with a short form copy and a very very intriguing uh, content uh, and then you only retarget those who have shown the most interest by by analyzing the watch time exactly and spend uh, with a long copy and then over time that needs to i think drop back down to short form because if you're constantly reaching out to people with a lot of information and they've not taken an action and they will probably disengage, and that will hurt your um, endeavors, you know, with the algorithms. One of the misconceptions, you know, that you constantly retarget with a lot of information and content to the people who have shown some kind of interest. I think that may not necessarily be true, because um, to your call traffic, I think short-form copy and a, and a very, very intriguing content with that will get you some traction. And then at that stage, the algorithm will be happy with you and will help you to carry on. Uh, but we know from data and the stats, you know, that you, you need, we need about between one to eight follow-ups to, to get uh, re- retaining and, uh, um, uh, and ongoing customers, conversions and sales from those campaigns. Now, one of the misconceptions on that journey is, you know, that, that you should retarget them with a lot of information, long copy, and I think that's where things go wrong. If we're constantly retargeting, you, we see day on the day-to-day basis ourselves, we are consumers, right? You know, if you're getting every day a very long email retargeting copies or, or, or FB ads or YouTube ads, you know, 
it, it kind of puts, puts you off. So short form copy, great content, followed, followed by very long storytelling copy for retarget, and then that drops back down to short form. So you're not really upsetting people. So it's really about reverse engineering the behavior and where is the breaking point of the spectators, you know, before they disengage and, you know, they get bored of, you know, uh, of you constantly um, uh, lurking at them everywhere on different platforms. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, using a mix of content and creative to, to kind of, you know, catch someone's attention and then follow up and say, well, you know, we, we got your attention because you, you might have liked or clicked on this ad. So here's a longer form piece that we think will really inform you. Yeah. Um, and then if they don't purchase, but they have read it, you know, retarget them again with something, again, maybe short and snappy. Yeah, make me short and snappy, you know, because we, you know from your past campaign, you know, that, that they have not shown. Now, we know there could be a number of reasons. Yeah, people could be in the middle of a journey. They could be um, uh, on their break, or you know, they've just had a glance and then they put their phones away, or they've switched the computer off. You know, and they want to come back. But but most of them have have just simply not shown interest. You know, so it is not wise to constantly spam them with you know with very long forms of copies. Uh, so. So retargeting is really about, you know, short form, then long form, and then it drops back down to short form to, to keep that momentum going. Um, because that, that third phase of short form, drop to short form, will actually help you to retain some of those who have shown no interest to stay on board for a while. And you could probably get some conversion from them as well at a later stage. Yeah, so kind of, I guess, in a, in a way, like segmenting, kind of like how you might do with email marketing things, you know, segmenting your list a bit to say uh, these people are showing some interest. So let's, let's kind of keep giving them some content and stuff. But if, if someone's showing no interest at all, uh, you know, you might as well, um, you might as well leave them out of future campaigns. Cause I guess in a similar way to the Facebook al- algorithm, you know, the, a lot of the, uh, you know, inboxes and, you know, email providers, they have their algorithms as well. And if loads of people aren't opening and clicking in emails, they will. That's when you start, yeah, you know, entering the junk box. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of their way of saying the same thing. Like, you know, these people aren't interested. So why are you still? So we're not going to prioritize you and put you in the inbox. Absolutely. Cool. So if if someone wanted to, uh, you know, I, I don't know, review their current setup or, or just become more data orientated company, uh, what are some of the key things they need to consider when they're you know, kicking off a project like this? I think, you know, they can look at, they should begin with looking at their competitors. So competitor analysis is very crucial. Uh, You will have some competitors who are doing better than you and some who are not doing as good as you and some there are some competitors who are doing as good as you. So I really advise companies to find their direct competitors and then then pinpoint the the top players in in their niche as well. And there's a lot of learning opportunities. So, the so one of the beauties with the internet is, you know, everything is out and on display. You can just go take a look at their um, their offer, their websites, and you know what is it that they're doing that is different than yourself, and make some learning exercise from that. Beside that, you know, I think user-generated content with behavior information is crucial as well. 
that will help you understand what resonates with with your target audience for your brand. This is this if you're taking a review of your setup of your to, to become more data oriented, you know. So user generated um, content produces genuine feedback. It is someone who's not advertising while not implicitly advertising for you. Uh, it's collecting feedback from people what they think, and that feedback is very important. Uh, you can use that feedback to reverse engineer and restructure your offering uh, and use that data to, to have a revamp of your uh, data collection setup or your advertising for conversions or, or if you're doing it for lead generation. Uh, or data collection simply. Uh, so, so really, yeah, it's about it's about exploring more avenues to collect data from, and in turn, that will enhance your existing setup uh, by by making some amendments to your setup uh, in retrospect from learning from you know what is out there and working. So, I, th I think multi omnichannel marketing is very important as well. So, you collect data from from one place and then use it in another place. Improve that. Yeah, definitely. I think um, getting customer feedback, whether it's I guess user-generated content in blogs or social media, or actually just you know sending out surveys, picking up the phone, finding out how people actually view the business um, and how they talk about it is really important. Um, yeah, because if they're if they talk about you and your products on social media and they use words that are a completely different tone of voice to, to your your business tone of voice uh, and you're seeing this consistently then yeah it's a good opportunity to actually say well hang on have we got it wrong and there are some um, ai and machine learning systems available out there they're costly you know but if you've got the budget uh, you can use these systems and they will collect uh, that data at some scale and it will actually do the ranking for it, you know, that, you know, that in price wise, you're positive or you're negative in design. Um, you're doing great, you know, you can collect all that information for you, or you can just manually spend hours and collect the data, you know, from, from different places and make good use of that. Yeah, I mean, it depends on your budget, doesn't it? But also, I, I do think it helps to run through at least some of the data on your own, uh, you know, manually and really yeah, get your hands on it rather than just relying on a tool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just phenomenal, you know, that, that feedback is readily available out there. And if it is not available, if you're a startup or if you're a new brand if you're, and you you say, I don't have that kind of feedback available, it's very simple. You just go to someone else who is a little further ahead of yourself and uh, they're from that industry and just see what are people saying about them. You can reverse engineer that and produce a better offer, if not as good as um, their offer. Yeah, that's a really good idea, actually. Just kind of go spy on your competitor, really. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's, the, that's the kind of work I do, you know. So my work is all reverse engineering systems. Mathematical okay. Tools, yeah, so uh, better analysis and then just general, you know, data collection and then learning from that data that what will actually resonate for the client's offer and then we structure those ads in that direction by live feedback from actual consumers. And then we use um, uh, artificial intelligence to help us optimize those uh, uh, decisions that we put in place for the creatives. Yeah, yeah, no, sounds good. Um, so what are the 
What are some of the biggest or most common mistakes you see um, when people are dealing with data? Uh, I, I think the, the biggest mistake would be now making a pre-assumption about a data based on our own emotions of irrelevant retrospective understanding of something, you know. Oh, because I look at something and I think, oh, this could this could probably correlate to something else I know from the past, and that may not be necessarily true. Uh, or, and the other misconception could be, you know, jumping on aggressively trying to own the data without making relationship building real learning curve, you know, so... When you acquire a data, you know, you, you really want to be making that relationship uh, with with that data and trying to learn from them and educate them and share information. You know? So it's really about putting value value at first before making a transaction. You just wait for that transaction to naturally happen at some point, uh, more like inbound. So, so yeah, it's really nice about making pre-assumptions about data. Is I think it's very it's, it's absolutely detrimental and you know, it can jeopardize your uh, your your future endeavors of your, your marketing, marketing endeavors, media buying. Uh, so it's it's not data collection is one thing, data collection is another thing, and then deciphering and learning from the data is really uh, learning it in real time by engaging with that data. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, either, like you said, either make the pre-assumptions about the data and then, I guess, look for that confirmation or maybe even just, or maybe then disagree with it if it doesn't show that. But then, yeah, when, when people have the data, they get those, they get the results in and they're very quick to jump on, you know, the, almost like the first insight that they find and assume that that's, that's the big thing they need to work on. Yeah, when so, actually- mm-hmm. so the first insight may not be true for the wide data you know there could be a multitude of insights within that data and uh, that's where segmentation comes handy and we can only learn about how to segment them by staying engaged and not making prejudgments early yeah absolutely where do you think the trends with data are going going to go so like over the next 18 months do you think more people are going to jump on on the use of AI and algorithms or? I mean, the next 18 months is, I think, a very short span of time to predict something, a major change. But I think over the coming two to five years, programmatic buying will become a common thing. AI, ML, and automation tools in general to hone decision-making and optimization at scale for big data. And that will be a thing. Uh, I think soon a lot of manual media buying will become a thing of past uh, because if more and more people are uh, hopping on to uh, automation and programmatic buying, uh, it will be very hard to counter them with manual uh, works. So, so yeah, it's really, I think think automation will be a big thing, you know, for for, for the coming months and years. Yeah, so at the moment, are there... Are there many options for for like smaller companies at the moment? Like, do you, you know, can you pay for a tool yourself to get on with things, or, or do you kind of need to go through an agency or, or pay a lot of money for a tool at the moment? Uh, so I mean, it's it's really down to your budget, you know. Um, I mean, there are a lot of young software companies and uh, automation tools available at the moment, and some some of them are not very costly, and some are. 
Uh, I think the industry is pretty young as well, so we'll have to give it some time that who comes with better solutions and results as well. Um, Cost-wise, I think it is costly, um, so uh, uh, it, it is really worth looking into, you know, if you have a high spend. Uh, if you have if you if you have a larger ad spend account, you know it, it can save you a lot of money and time of media buying. You can use that time in making uh, macro decision making and not wasting time in micro decision making and producing uh, data sheets for for your data collection. Just like out of interest, what what sort of budgets would you be thinking of for for someone who should uh, you know look at going for the pro- pro- programmatic buying? We're talking hundreds of thousands, of millions of months. Yeah, I think if if you have uh, in the in the league of fifty thousand to hundred k, uh, it is it is very much worth looking into and buying into those systems, or or you can use an agency who have access to those systems and do it on your behalf for a particular work if you're if you're on a smaller spend. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Okay. Kind of, uh, I think that's probably where most people go at the moment through an agency. Um, do you do you have any, like personally, do you have any pet peeves when it comes to marketing? Yeah, I think I think my pet peeve would be you know, people who have a single award-winning solution for all and all sizes that in turn becomes a culture in itself in the industry, forming a fallacy that's practiced widely. Um, so usually, you know, we we we. we we're spammed with all these um, advertising everywhere, you know, award-winning specialists and um, solutions and gimmicks and techniques that will work for everyone. And then people fall for that and then a lot of people practice it. And then it actually works for some people and it doesn't work for a lot of people. And that, that portion of people who had no luck with it, now they will deem that, uh, there something is wrong elsewhere because how can an award-winning solution be uh, futile for them and won't work? So yeah, that's the kind of pet peeves I have. You know, so I think in marketing, you know, there is no such thing as you know, solutions with all sizes and it will work for everyone. It is about that relationship building. You know, if you're an agency, it's about the relationship building with the business, understanding their background, their ROI, their costs, their audience, their, their challenges. So, so we, we, we work in a manner, you know, so if we are taking a client on, a, on, on the agency now, we actually take them through a, a questionnaire where we qualify them for if we can help them and their challenges are those that we can, uh, we can solve. Um, but but that is not what is widely practiced, you know. So it's, it's services are sold based on past results for anyone, and then you can claim the front for you know I can solve anyone's problem because I've solved someone else's problem, and that may not necessarily be true. And um, when when you do in marketing, you know, uh, you there is there is no. There is no set rules when things don't work. Who who can you blame? You know, it's 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 a synergy and combination of a lot of things. And I, I think you know, if if the entire team, whether that is internal or external um, contractors involved, uh, if they're all on the same page and they understand the ins and outs of uh, of the industry, the product, and the customers, 
um, you can come up with solutions uh, among all of you using everybody's expertise and then that synergy can give you phenomenal growth yeah no i, I agree i think um yeah there's too much i guess almost like best practice and people just people assume that best practice is the only way to do things and kind of really really focus on that when actually it's it, it should be more of a guidance shouldn't it absolutely no it can only be used as a guidance you know and i, and I uh I really look up to um, David Ogilvy, you know, he's the father of advertising, you know, and uh, I think that was his pet peeves as well, and he hated rules. Uh, so there are no rules in marketing, and uh, and there's also, there's no such thing as negative publicity now. Everything that you put out is uh, is a learning curve. If it doesn't earn you something, it'll, it'll, it'll let you learn something. So, well, I'm not saying, you know, you should go to extreme, you know, and try everything, you know. Uh, but but there are no set rules to follow. Uh, you can only follow so much that is working, and then you'll have to improvise and find your own ways to succeed. Yeah, absolutely yeah. agree with that. What, what do you think is the, the most underrated aspect of marketing at the moment? I think content marketing is very underrated. And everything is derived from content marketing on, on social and in internet marketing as a whole. It is content that drives attention, decision, and conversions. So I think content marketing is very underrated. I would say copywriting as well. I'm not sure I'd agree that content marketing is underrated. I think it's more, it's just not used properly. Like I think a lot of companies try to do it, but just don't really know like how to, and, and they they probably do go along with this best, best practice stuff, you know, read a few articles and try to just follow a structure there. But yeah, like copywriting, um, com- completely agree. I think you, you don't see many people with uh, like kind of marketing copywriting qualifications and like, you know, really good marketing copywriters, yeah. which I think is, you know, it is important because you, c- you can be a good, kind of a good writer you know, studied English or whatever, um, but you, you, there's more more to it than that. You know, you have to know how to sell as well, um, and that's that's yeah, a whole, whole yeah. other skill. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, I mean, media buying is uh, one thing, and then understanding business is another thing. You know, uh, I mean, you know, expecting too many outcomes from a single department or person is a mistake in itself as well. Uh, like I said, you know, it's, it's about combination of, you know, uh, experience and expertise from everyone, of all those who are involved in a project and a business, to then come up with those solutions and then put it forward. And then that's how you should engineer your content to promote, uh, to, 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 to get the best out of your you know, media buying efforts. You know? I mean, uh, you're... Your potential customer and spectators and consumers of your content, they don't really care what's happening inside the algorithm, do they? And they really don't care, you know, how you've optimized, et cetera, et cetera. You know. It's all about, you know, reverse uh, engineering, you know. So so what goes out will collect information and turn it will help you and the algorithm to to make informed decisions. Cool. I mean, was there anything else you wanted to talk about? I, I think, um, yeah, I think influencer marketing can play a vital role. Um, inter-platform integration 
for robustness of algorithms. So in influencer marketing, uh, it really works if, if the influence is a true influence and you have true brand ambassadors who represent you. And one of the ways to form that tribe around yourself and your brand is, you know, by by offering your product to potential bloggers and influencers um, free of cost and not asking for something in return just to test, you know, if this is something they like. And you can go through, you know, it's very easy to find people, you know, who would, who would like your products, you know, and just look into people what they're talking about and showing to their audiences. And they don't need to have millions and millions of followers. And if anything, you know, the organic reach has died out mostly on places like Instagram. You know, perhaps only three percent of people will see it. So it's it's far better to have people who have just a few thousands of followers and very engaging audience who believe in their uh, review, uh, and then have them as brand ambassadors. And then they will they will start creating. It's a chain reaction. They'll start creating more people around themselves. Who believe in your brand and that is a great source of then data collection and uh, feedback that in turn can help you with your media buying and your paid advertising and, and in terms of inter-platforms um, it's, it's very powerful you know when you have an omni-channel you know paid advertising and, or, or programmatic buys for high spend so for instance you can use uh, google ads which are intent driven to collect uh, data and we know that data is solid uh, proof of uh, your potential customers because it's driven by uh, search and intent uh, we can use that data in the algorithms of facebook then to look for their lookalikes and even retargeting those people as well you can use them back into pre-roll ads on youtube that are driven by searches on google and uh, so, so, so there's a lot of opportunity out there making you making a synergistic use of algorithms from different platforms to form better strategies or on one or two platforms where the most and uh, vast majority of your revenues are coming from. Yeah, absolutely agree. I think, um, yeah, if you can kind of link up that data and uh, and use it to advertise across platforms and, and capture capture your audience elsewhere using your you know, previous learnings. I think that's um, that put, put people in a really strong, much stronger position than if you're just kind of treating each, uh, each platform completely separately. Yeah, absolutely. No. So treating each platform separately and not making a good use of, you know, information from one place onto the another is, is one of the biggest mistakes, you know, uh, an advertiser or a, or a brand can make. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this has been, uh, been really great stuff, Sid. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about kind of data or algorithms or, or what you guys do, how, how should they get in touch? Uh, so I can be reached out on LinkedIn. Uh, it's Masood Akbazai or Masood at Akbazai.com uh, on my email. Uh, and we can, we, we, we give uh, a discovery uh, for a call, introductory call, to every inbound inquiry and that that involves uh, some free advice and looking into the challenges as well and then we send them our latest uh, deck of uh, information and some case studies okay perfect i mean yeah we'll uh, we'll make sure the links uh, go up on the customers eclipse website 
so people people can uh, easily get in touch. All right, uh, cheers, Masoud. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Well, cheers. So, unless you've got silly amounts of money to throw at Facebook, the best way, quite obviously, is to produce ads that resonate with your target audience, ads that identify pain points and explain how those pain points can be fixed with your product or service. The, the better engagement you get, the more Facebook will promote you, the better your reach will be, and the better you, the results you'll see. A really powerful way of almost kind of hacking these algorithms is to use or, or at least pay attention to user-generated content. So really understanding how your customers talk about you, how they view your products, and how you can use that information and feedback to reverse engineer your advertising strategy and brand positioning. It's really important to spend time on your brand, you know, create your values and your value proposition, but if what you come up with isn't based on, on research and, and feedback from your customers on what they really want, you, you're just going to make life difficult for you because your, your ads won't, uh, won't speak to your audience, won't resonate with them. That's all for today. If you'd like to learn more about algorithms and data, do get in touch with Masood on LinkedIn. He's always happy to chat. And don't forget to send your, in your, uh, your webpage. I'll get it reviewed and back to you within a few days. You can send that to will at monkeyblocks.com. In the next episode, I've got Callum McKeefrey explaining the importance of reviews and social proof. But until then, keep those customers clicking.